Well, thank you for that special. I appreciate that very much. So uh, the children may be dismissed at this time. All the children, sixth grade on down, can go to their kids' meetings tonight. And would you take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. As you're turning the Word of God, let me mention just a couple of things. Uh, first of all, um, there are some materials on the back there that can really be helpful for the entire family. Uh, there are some devotionals for children. This would be elementary children, Bible Roundup time, and uh, Volume 1 and Volume 2. It lasts for the entire year. Uh, it would be good for grades 4, 5, and 6 especially. And then a uh, great book for those that are 12 years old and above uh, is The Teenage Years of Jesus Christ. Now, for a number of years, I did not touch this book because of the title. <laughs> I thought, wait a minute, we don't know anything about the teenage years of Jesus Christ. And so, uh, how, how can he read that? And then I read it, and I thought, that is so helpful. And I went through it with a couple of our boys, and very, very great, uh, good uh, studies. We would read a chapter together a, a week, and then we'd have them do the assignments and different things from that chapter. Very helpful and excellent. Teenage Years of Jesus Christ. It's, I did it with my boys because those are the ones left in my home. Uh, but it's for guys and girls. It's not just for guys. So uh, good for teenagers uh, all around. Um, and one last thing is if you are interested in getting uh, our email updates, uh, we'd love to be able to pass those along and let you know when perhaps the next video is coming out or what the Lord's doing in our ministry. Uh, we can help you sign up for those afterwards at the table. And so love to be able to help you with that as well. And uh, would you pray for us as we leave here? And uh, tomorrow morning, uh, bright and early, uh, we go to the um, to the airport and fly. We'll probably leave about 5.30. So anybody need to give us a ride? And, no. <laughs> All I have to do is go down to Murfreesboro, pick us up, and take us back to the airport. Uh, so uh, Joseph and Jonathan and I will head there. We'll have meetings. Uh, we'll go... Uh, on Friday and on Saturday, different outreaches. On Friday, we'll visit firehouses and uh, different stations. And then as well, on Saturday, we'll be at Atlantic Boulevard and the, the subway system there, and then perhaps some other areas that the pastor has in mind uh, to be able to hand out those flyers while you're handing them out here. And Millersville, I'm handing them out in Brooklyn. And uh, so we're doing the same thing, uh, just different places. And so I want to encourage you uh, to think about and pray about us. With the project, with all of that, the expenses and the travel and everything, we are praying uh, the Lord would continue to provide for that. So we do have $2,815 on the budget with this project. And would you pray for us about that? And that would be a great help as well. But we appreciate you very much so. We love your pastor and his family. Uh, very much so. Thank you so much for the privilege, and it is a privilege to be here and to um, be able to uh, serve along with him. I was remembering today a message I heard from you back in Tennessee when we attended the same church and something practical that he gave. I love his Bible teaching and the practicality of it. It's just so helpful and so good. And, uh, and certainly, uh, I'm thrilled at what the Lord's going to do here. And do you think the, the Lord has some plans for Berean Baptist Church? Yes, he does. That's a matter of us trying to figure out everything in the next step, I'm sure. But there are some big things and big plans. And I believe the Lord wants to grow this church in a great way. And he wants to use you, that is for sure. You have James chapter 4. Let's stand, if you would. And to find James chapter 4, find verse 3. 
I'm sorry, verse 13, not verse 3, but verse 13. It says this, James 4, 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow. We will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. The title of the message this evening is The Only Time We Have Is Now. The Only Time We Have Is Now. Let's bow and ask the Lord for his help. Father, we do need your help. Lord, I was reflecting when Pastor Lang was reflecting about 20 years ago and how even on September 11th, what it was like and how our minds were to you and how as a nation we were tender and we thought about the brevity of life. Lord, I pray, would you help us right now to look at your word and to see the things that we need to change and need to do so right away. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. There is a lady, she's in her late 50s, maybe early 60s, and she was feeling some discomfort. Um, she said, uh, I think um, I'm having a headache, I'm going to go lay down. And, and as she did so, the headache didn't get any better, it got worse. They called an ambulance, and the ambulance came. And as they were rushing her to the hospital, they said, you have something going on there, an aneurysm and other things in the brain, and we don't know how long you have to live. There's a 17-year-old senior boy who uh, left school when he heard the last bell, and he was thankful to get out of school. (laughs) He got in his Ford Ranger, white with a red stripe, got on Highway 681 in Kentucky. It's a curvy two-lane highway. And uh, he exceeded the speed limit, but he really didn't care. But when his truck curved around where a bus garage was, and which had a gravel drive and parking lot, the buses coming in and out onto that road would kick out loose gravel on that road. And as he came around that curve with his truck light, nothing in the bed of the truck, his truck hit that loose gravel, lost control, went through a divot, and shot through the air and immediately had impact with a tree. His name was John. His name was Dunn. John Dunn. I remember when the three guys came. I called them the, the three musketeers. They came from Kentucky. They, uh, they could play basketball like nobody's business. And um, they would join, if you've ever been to the Bill Rice Ranch and the youth group, they would join, uh, they would be on a pioneer team. And uh, they didn't care who else joined them because they could carry the team. It could be somebody, you just stand there on the court and they could play. One was an incredible ball handler. One could shoot and make it from anywhere. Another was just all around ball player. 
and uh, and they would have the other teams, really big teams. They said, well, let's have this really big team play this little big little team and get them off the the, the bracket first, and and they would end up beating them, and they would go to the championship and win the the, the trophy. I remember them, and the two guys were coming uh, down, and, and I said, hey, guys, good to see you at camp this summer. Hey, where's John? And they said, oh, you haven't heard. And then they told me the story of his accident, just like I told you. And John, immediately upon impact with that tree, was killed. He was going to, I believe, a Christian college the next year. He wasn't necessarily all-out rebellion. No, he wasn't. didn't have everything where he perhaps should be as a senior in high school. But as a young person, he didn't have tomorrow. What if we didn't have tomorrow? Or what if we were in an ambulance and someone said to us, because of your physical condition, you only have 24 to 48 hours to live? What would you do in your last 24 to 48 hours? Would there be anything you would do differently? Well, certainly. You wouldn't waste time, obviously, at that point with some things that you might just relax with if you knew you only had 48 hours to live. I understand. But are there some things in your life right now that you are allowing to stay in your life because I think I have so much longer it to live, it's okay. But if you had 48 hours to live, you would immediately change it. As we look at this passage of scripture, we see there's some uh, making plans for their future. Imagine with me, perhaps businessmen. I don't know. Look at verse 13. It says, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. So they're making plans. They're going to go to a city. They're going to go there for the duration of a year. They'll buy and sell. That's the means of getting gain. And they'll get gain. Now, is there anything wrong with that? No. There's nothing wrong with going to a particular city. That's not evil. Uh, there's not, the duration of time isn't evil. The buying and selling to make profit and getting gain is not evil. All of us have to get gain to pay bills to live. So that's not evil. But what did they do wrong? In all of their plans, where is God? They didn't make any other plans with God in allowing him to have his will. Look at verse 15, skip verse 14 for a moment. It says, for that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this and that or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. So here they are. They're making their plans. We're going to go to this city. We're going to continue this long. We're going to buy and sell. We're going to get gain. We're going to make profit here and do this. Okay, man, this is great. Man, we're going to make more money than we did last time. And, and remember, and they're making all these great plans. But they're not saying, Lord, are you willing? Lord, should we do this? Lord, what is your plan for us? How should we live our life? You know what they are? They're practical atheists. You say, what does that mean? It means this. They're living as if God doesn't exist. Now, if you're here tonight, no doubt, I would say and assume for you that you believe that there is a God in heaven that he exists. 
Now, whether or not you're saved and trusted Christ as Savior, that would be between you and, you and him. And if you say, yes, Brother Miller, I'm saved, that's wonderful as well. But did you realize this? Even as a saved person, a believer in Jesus Christ, we can live our lives in such a way to say, I'm going to go over here and do this. I'm going to make that trip. And uh, we're going to go over here and, hey, let's invest over here in this. And let's purchase these things. And we're doing all of this without saying, Lord, what is your will for me? And we're living as if we're practical atheists. Let me ask, how many choices have you made in the last 48 hours? Or you just made them and didn't ask God for his wisdom. How many decisions did you make in the last 48 hours that were just you, self-driven? Just what you wanted to do. Now, maybe that was, wasn't wrong. Maybe it was okay. You see, what they're doing isn't a wrong activity, but they're leaving God out of the picture. And what we need to say is, dear God, whatever it is in my life, I'm willing to do it and to change it. And I'm willing to live in light of you in every decision and every step that I take. Would you help me right now to help with this? We need to see a few principles from this passage. Look at verse 14. It says, wherefore, or whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a what? A vapor that appeared for a little time and then vanisheth away. When it says what is your life, it's not asking what is life. It's like what does your life consist of? What is your life made up of? And then it, and it says this. It says life is like a vapor. It it's, it's appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You see, life is short. It's brief. And we carelessly live our life as if it's going to linger on. But it doesn't even give the illustration of like life is smoke billowing up from a fire and it, it lingers for a little while. No, it uses the illustration of vapor that comes six, eight inches off of that, that boiling water on the stove and, and it's gone. You see it and just immediately it's, it dissipates, evaporates, it's gone. And, and it's gone and you cannot see it. Why? Because it's so quick. The Bible says, to, Lord, to teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto, do you know what it says? Look, if you would, at Psalm 90. Let's look there. Um, Psalm 90, I believe it is. And I didn't have it in my notes, and I'm, I'm hoping I'm right that it is Psalm 90. <laughs> um, Psalm 90. Psalm 90, uh, verse 4 does talk about uh, the sight of the Lord, the thousand years and, and all that. But look, if you would, at verse 12, the Bible says this. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You know what? How to live a life of regret is to live a life without wisdom. And you just decide what you want to decide. You just live for the moment, short-sighted. Not towards, um, uh, not towards any, any length at all. And what does it say? It says, teach us to number our days. But look, if you would, it says um, in verse 10, it says, uh, well, look at verse 9 and 10. It says, for all our days, in verse 9, all our days are passed away in thy wrath that we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. You see, we see here that life is short. It's saying that you could have three score and ten, that's 70, 
four score years. That doesn't mean that's the, the top, right? Obviously, there's an average lifespan, perhaps, here that is given. Some live longer. Um, my dad's 89, and uh, I'm not quite 89. <laughs> um, and, but he's, he's lived a good long life. I've, I know ones that haven't lived that long. But the truth is, we're all going to die. Isn't that correct? That was so hard. It's so hard to talk to a teenager and say, life is short. Oh, yeah, okay, Brother Miller. It's like, yeah, waiting for the, just getting out of the conversation to go to the next thing. No, 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 you don't understand. Life is short. You make bad decisions, you're going to have regret. And, and this, this, is, this is a brief time that you have right here to make a difference and to live. Don't live a life of regret by in this brief time being so foolish with your decisions. How do you use your time? You know what? If you waste your time, you waste your life. You, you just how much time do you spend on TV or in front of the phone or, or just uh, uh, perusing through your, your, your social media or YouTube or whatever the case is? You know, so much of it can just eat away, and all of that is just, it's absorbing. <laughs> there's, a, there's a girl at um, the ranch right now, and, and she has to wait for a certain age to be able to work with the children. And so she can't work with the children, so they said you can sit at the desk and work at the desk. And so every time I pass her, I said, are you aging? <laughs> so you're doing a good job aging. She's just sitting there. What is she doing? She's waiting for phone calls. She's doing things, office job. But you know what she's doing? She's aging. <laughs> she's waiting to be 21. It seems like, oh, it's such a long time to be 21. Wouldn't that be something <laughs> to be 21 again? But life is so short, and you're constantly aging. Would you recognize we need to live in light of that principle that life is short? Not only that, life is uncertain. The Bible says this, um, for that you ought to say in verse 15, uh, if the Lord will, we shall live and, and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings, boasting that you think that your plans are going to take place. But the truth is, because of your practical atheism, you're making the plans without God, and God is the one in control. Proverbs 27, verse 1, it says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Life is uncertain. You know what? Your money's uncertain. You say, yeah, it sure is. <laughs> you know? Um, and... Uh, uh, the, it's here and then it's gone. The Bible describes it this way in Proverbs chapter 23, 4 and 5. It says, labor not to be rich, cease from thine own wisdom. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings, then they fly away as an eagle toward heaven. <laughs> there goes your money. <laughs> so it's here and then it's gone. Are you laboring to be rich? Again, getting gain is not wrong. Increasing in monetary value isn't wrong. Being able to invest, have retirement. I don't believe I'm saying any of these things are intrinsically evil. But what you're living for, are you living to be rich? And that's it. <laughs> I remember when I was 17, I wanted to be uh, you know, a businessman. I wanted to make money. That was it. God got a hold of my heart. Would you allow God to get a hold of your heart and say, okay, look, life's uncertain. Stop making all your plans. They may not even work out. And you may not be that wealthy person that you think. But not only is money uncertain, the Bible talks about death is uncertain. 
You don't know when you're going to die. You don't know when death will come. No, not only is it short, but it is uncertain. Ecclesiastes 9.12, it says, For man also knoweth not his time, as the fishes that are taken in an evil net, and as the birds that are caught up in a snare, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time, when it falleth suddenly upon them. The fish don't know when they're going to die. The birds don't know when they're going to get caught and they're going to die. We don't either. Folks, would we live our life in light of the things that are right and proper? Because life is short. Life is uncertain. Here's the last thing. is Life is preparation. What is life preparation for? Folks, life is preparation for eternity. Life is preparation for eternity. So many passages of Scripture. Look, if you would, at a familiar passage. Look at John chapter 3, if you would. John chapter 3. Life is preparation for eternity. Are you preparing for eternity right now? There's so many um, things that we could say. Let me start here with the matter of salvation and see about the matter of eternal life. John chapter 3, find verse 16. Would you help me? Would you read it out loud with me? One, two. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you believed on Jesus? Have you? If you have, would you say amen? amen. You know, that's great. If you have, that's it. And it doesn't matter who you are, what sin. If you believed on Jesus, he's your Savior, and you're forgiven, you're cleansed. And on the inside, your spirit, he, he's put his spirit in you, and you are born again. And it's wonderful. When you're born again, you have then in you everlasting life. And you get it when? As soon as you believe. He that hath the Son, in verse 36, hath life, everlasting life. The Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse 17, it says, For God sent not a Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Verse 18, He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth, uh, but he, uh, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Look, if you're here and you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, would you recognize that right now you're condemned? Not later, but right now. It's like you're in a holding cell and it's on death row. And, and the, the doors are going to be open. When the doors open, you're going to eternity and a separation from God in the place called hell. But if you're saved, you have that everlasting life. Now, when does that everlasting life begin? It doesn't begin when you enter those doors. Those doors are death. Now, the only thing that's stopping us from here to heaven is death. And if it weren't unlovely and it wasn't terrible, it wasn't hard, we wouldn't just, boom, we want to go to heaven right away, wouldn't we? No doubt. Yes, we would. We've got to get through those doors. Let me tell you, folks, eternal life does not begin after you pass through those doors. If you've trusted Jesus Christ, you have eternal life right now <laughs> and the spirit of god's with you right now and and this is true right now for all of eternity never ever will anything force you or separate you from the love of god you're saved and now you need to have a perspective that this entire life everything that i have is for the lord jesus and i am looking towards those things that are eternal 
2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh uh, for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. eternal. Are your eyes on that which is eternal? Are you seeing right now it's preparation? Do you realize right now how you're living is going to reflect the judgment seat of Christ and how the Lord Jesus rewards you and me? And those rewards are impactful. Just think about it. What are you going to do in, what will you be doing in um, 750 years from right now? How about 1,000 years from now? What will you be doing? It's possible that 1,000 years from right now, we'll be in the millennial reign. You know, there's ramifications in millennial reign of how that you live right now. I'm just saying, folks, is we need to live with eternal, eternal values in mind, not just 70 or 80 small little bitty years here on this planet. What are you, how are you living right now? If, if right now everything stopped, you passed through those doors, and you stood before the Lord Jesus, let's say immediately, whenever that takes place, you're at the judgment seat of Christ. Whenever that takes place, you're there. Okay, now, when you look back, wouldn't you have a clear perspective on everything? You would say, I see it now. And, and at that point, the Bible says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The bad there doesn't mean evil. The good there doesn't mean righteous. The good there means acceptable. Like, oh, that's good. I accept it. That's acceptable. The bad there means it's worthless. It's nothing. It's the wood, hay, and stubble of living our life in such a way that there's no eternal value for the, from the decisions we made. So if you were new, within 48 hours, you would stand before the Lord Jesus. And I'm not saying that that's when the judgment seat takes place. I'm just saying in 48 hours, let's say you're going to stand before the Lord Jesus. Would there be anything that you would change? How about your priorities? Priorities. If you had 48 hours live, no doubt, wouldn't your priorities surface very clearly? And you'd have a priority, eternity. Look, besides your Bible here tonight, what else are you going to be able to see in heaven besides the Word of God? Just souls. People that are here. Besides your Bible, the Bible, and the Word of God that's here tonight, it's the people, the souls. That's it. Folks, we can't take money. We can't take houses. We, we, we take nothing out. Are we carelessly wasting time? Would you say, my priorities need to change? My priorities need to change. Would you, at that point, then witness to that, that family member? Yes, you would. Even if they laugh at you? Yeah. Would you witness to that hard person, that cold person? Yes, you would. You don't care at that point whether or not you think they'll be saved. You're just going to tell them 
because you love them. And now everything is surfacing and you're seeing it clearly. I don't care. 48 hours, I'm out of here. You would have a different priority in your life. What would, there are things that you need to change. How about a young person? How much time do you waste on stuff? Maybe it's books, maybe it's videos, maybe it's pleasure stuff. Maybe you're just playing ball. Now, look, enjoy, have hobbies, but don't waste your life on things that do not matter for eternity. Have something in your life right now as a young person. They say, I'm living for this, and this is outlasting this lifetime. Stop living for yourself. It's not right. And if you had 48 hours to live, you would want to change everything and make sure everything was taken care of. Change it now. Be different now. Your priorities. How about your relationships? Would there be someone you need to ask for forgiveness because you wronged them? You got in a spat. You got in a fight. You said something you shouldn't have. Emotions are there. Maybe this has been years. Perhaps it's been decades. And you haven't humbled yourselves, yourself to ask for forgiveness. The Bible says this, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Will you humble yourself before the Lord and before that person? You know what? You'd get it right if you had 48 hours to live. You deal with the bitterness that perhaps you're holding against them. They hurt you. It's the other way around. They need the forgiveness, but you're not letting it take place because you're still hurt. I've got a, uh, I've got a scar on my wrist. When I was young, I was being chased through the house, running through the house, and I tripped, and I went through the storm door, the glass door of our front door. Front door, wooden door is open. Glass door was there. It was not plexiglass. It wasn't good protective glass that they have now. It was just glass. When you break it, big, long pieces. And a piece sliced my wrist. Blood went everywhere. They, um, they called the neighbor. She's a nurse, and she's trying to stop the bleeding and put some pressure back here on the vein and everything. And uh, we immediately get in the car, go to the hospital. We're trying to wrap it and keep it there. We get stopped by a train. <laughs> And, uh, man, my, I can remember them being so nervous and so scared. I'm just, you know, I'm still young at this point, seven years old, and this is all happening. And, and if I can just see all this, this taking place. And, and we, we finally get to the hospital, and they said that we have to do some, uh, I mean, it hurt. That definitely hurt. Now, we have to do some exploratory to see if, it was, if there's any more glass in there and see if, if the main, main vein, you know, that they normally cut um, was cut and it wasn't thankfully literally millimeters was just away from that vein and uh, they went through the glass and found no glass there that hurt tremendously <laughs> and now I have a, a scar or 48 stitches were right there on the wrist truly I, I almost died but I'm so thankful that I didn't you know I could touch it I can hit it and it doesn't hurt it's a scar. I'm remember. I'm, rem, I'm reminded. I don't forget the incident. It was a very traumatic incident. But I'm not hurt by it anymore. 
it doesn't bother me. I don't wake up thinking about it. But if I had another cut and it festers and I don't put a Band-Aid on it and it's open and I touch it, ow. And that's a wound that's not healed. That hurts. Let me ask, is there someone or something that when it brings up to your mind, it's still, ow, it hurts. Then that's the indication to realize I haven't truly forgiven. If I forgive, it doesn't mean I'm going to forget. I can see that there's an incident. I remember a traumatic incident in the past. But I'm free from it. I, it doesn't hurt any longer. Is there a relationship that you need to go to that person, that adult son, that adult daughter, and ask them for forgiveness or grant them forgiveness? Is there someone that you need to go to, a mom, a dad, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, someone else? Who is it that you need to say, I need to get right with? And finally, let me ask this tonight. If you had 48 hours to live, you would say, dear God, use me in some way beyond myself to do something. Folks, are we just going to live our lives and just make money, do what we can do, and just simply get a status quo and then be fine? When I, look, when I go to the end of my life and I look back, I want to look back and say, God did that. I couldn't, but God did. Can I tell you about the area-wide crusade in Pennsylvania in the middle of COVID, the height of it? California and all of these things, were getting, churches and everything, we're getting uh, fined thousands of dollars for this. We're having COVID. There is um, marches and shootings and riots, and we're having this, uh, this uh, area-wide crusade. Two weeks before it was said, to be taken place. And we had it scheduled for two and a half, almost three years. Two weeks before it took place, I get a call while I'm there. I'm heading there. And the call was, Brother Miller, the school board, which you're going to, we're renting a, a beautiful thousand seat auditorium of a public school to be able to have this area-wide crusade. And they said, the school board's bring it to a vote. You can legally do it, they said. They understand that. We checked with senators. We checked with County commissioner, we checked with eh, lawyers, everything. So you can legally do it, immense, even in, in the midst of all this stuff. But because of the pressure they think they're going to get from the outside, they're going to take it to a vote and see if they want to decline and, and put it down. I pull off the side of the road. I'm at a rest area, and I'm on my face on the trailer, and I am bawling. I say, God, I know this, you put this on my heart. I know this is from you. Lord, help this to keep going. I don't know what we're going to do otherwise. I get back in the vehicle and I'm traveling down the road and I get the call. They voted to stop the contract. We can't have that school. My wife called and said, well, what did they say? I told her and she said, um, I said, honey, I don't know what we're going to do. She said, well, aren't you glad you're not in control of this? I said, yes, ma'am. 
obstacle after obstacle came up, and every time, God just smashed it down. How are, we're going to meet now. Okay, now we're going to have a tent. We need to have a tent that uh, seats at least 700 people. And uh, we're, how are we going to get that and get the fund? We already have a budget of thousands of dollars. How are we going to be able to do this and get someplace? And everything just worked together. Chairs, lighting, platform. God did it all. And when it was finished, <laughs> from the giving that came in, there was a surplus. And one of the pastors said, wow, it was like a dream. It was like a dream. I was waking up at night. I thought, how in the world are we going to get this taken care of? And God did it. God did it. You know, another pastor, he said this. He said, Brother Miller, it was like Pentecost. I said, yeah, we saw a lot of people saved. He said, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, it's like Pentecost because so many people were working together in unity. This church was a split off this church. I didn't know that. They hadn't done anything with them for 30 years. And now they're working together, and this church hated this church, and this men they're working together. And there was an incredible unity, and we did see 53 people trust Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, right now, you know, coming into this, uh, this project, the Rescue 9-11 project, I cannot tell you how many obstacles it's come up. I just have to keep going back and say, Lord, like Nehemiah, I believe you placed this in my heart. And Lord, it's your hand that's upon me to be able to go forward. And then he just moves down the obstacles. But he brings me at the place where it says, Chris Miller, it's not you, but it's me. Would you allow me to show myself strong in your life? Let me ask, will you have a vision and a burden beyond your little scope, beyond your little realm? I know you may not be an evangelist. I know you may not be called to preach. But what is it that God wants you to lift up and say, I'm going to do this by faith and I'm going to do it because it's not what I can do. It's only God can do it. And you can see your neighbor saved and you can see an impact at your school and you can see God use you as a young person and see your life changed. Would you stop living so short-sighted in only what we can do and say, God, would you live and do beyond what I ever could imagine? We have crusades planned for this next year. With both of them, <laughs> huge obstacles have come up. And I just raised my hands when I heard. I said, God, it's yours. It always has been. And I'm thrilled to see what you will do in your miraculous way to show yourself strong and to do it. Would you tonight say, God, I want a life that counts for eternity, that's bigger than myself. And Lord, I've had such a small vision. What I can do, I can go to work, I go to school, I do this, I do that. And Lord, help me get out of my comfort zone and take a step of faith to see what you want to do in my heart and my, my life. If you had 40, 48 hours to live, your priorities would be right. Your relationships would be right. And you'd say, dear God, would you do something beyond myself for eternity? Folks, we don't have tomorrow. The past is behind us.
the only time we have is now. May we, by God's grace, take advantage of it. Father, I pray, would you please use us beyond ourselves to do what only you can? And I ask that you would get Berean Baptist Church a vision of what you want to do here. God, I know it's great. Lord, I pray you'd help people, men, ladies, even young people, as a church body to have faith of what you want to do going forward. I pray, Lord, you'd help with priorities tonight. I pray you'd help with relationships tonight. And Lord, I pray you'd help with steps of faith and visions to go above and beyond and to see you do a work that's beyond ourselves that only can be explained that God did it. Lord, would you help us right now, I pray, with our heads bowed, with our eyes closed. If you're here tonight, you say, preacher, there's one thing I know is I've trusted Jesus, I'm going to heaven. If you know that, can you raise your hand? I've trusted Jesus, I'm going to heaven. That's great, all throughout the room. Super, you can place your hands down. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you say, I see tonight that life is short, it's uncertain, and it's preparation right now for eternity. I see that I should trust Christ as Savior now. I have not done so, but I need to. If you're here and you have not trusted Jesus and you'd like me to pray for you, would you slip your hand up just right now? High enough where I could see it. Would you pray for me, preacher? I have not trusted Jesus to save me, to give me eternal life. If you've not trusted Christ, would you allow me to pray for you? Anyone like that very quickly? Okay, let me ask next. Who here would say, Brother Miller, I am saved, but God spoken to me about my priorities or about my relationships or about a vision to trust you to do something beyond myself, to trust the Lord to do something beyond myself. If that's true, one of these things or maybe a combination, but God spoken to your heart tonight, would you just acknowledge that by upraised hand right now where you're seated? God bless you. So a number of hands. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Tender hearts, and that's wonderful. Anyone else that say, God's spoken to me as well. One of these areas, maybe it's priorities or relationships or just having a vision and a faith of what God wants to do. God bless you. Wonderful. Anyone else? Anyone else that say, God's spoken to me as well. One of those or all three combination. God's spoken to me. Anyone else real quickly? Anyone else to just say, you know, Brother Miller, God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else to say, you know, I know there's some things in my life I need to change. I'd change them if I had 48 hours to live. I want to change them now. Anyone else to say, there's some things in my life I need to change, and I say I need to do it now. Anyone like that, would you raise your hand? God bless you. Wonderful. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Would you look this way? I think it's been obvious tonight by the hands, but also your attentiveness that God's worked in our hearts. While our hearts are tender, would you just find a place to pray and just commit that to the Lord and say, by God's grace, I cannot do this on my own. But Lord, by your grace, I can have priorities right, my relationships right, and I can have a vision to go above and beyond, and I can change those things I otherwise would. Would you, by God's grace, trust him tonight to do so and find a place to pray? Everyone standing, let's pray. Father, I pray for your help right now. Would you please give it? Give us wisdom and give us tenderness, Lord, to obey you. With our heads bowed, with our eyes closed, as the pianist plays, would you find a place and just commit that to the Lord and trust his grace as she plays? Would you respond tonight? God bless you.
Is there a vision you need to have? Is there a change you need to make? God bless you. Just find a place to pray. Commit it to the Lord. Is there a relationship, a priority? still working on your heart, there's still time. Would you find a place or kneel or have a seat and just commit that to the Lord? Would you do so? Would you look this way? Thank you so much for your very kind attention and tender hearts, not only tonight, but throughout the week. Um, we love Berean Baptist Church, and we really are thankful for you. Thank you so much for your kindness to us. Uh, and uh, we'd love to be able to keep in touch and pray for you as the Lord continues to direct here going forward. Would you pray for us as well? God wants to do great things, and we just trust Him. And uh, Take the step of faith and he'll do it. Pastor. That answers a lot of questions, doesn't it? When you, when you consider that tomorrow we may stand before the Lord, it could be. That sets a lot of things in perspective. And I'll just tell you, it just reminds me that all we have is his, and so let it be that way now. I want to be all to Jesus I surrender. Such a great week of meetings and decisions, and every decision made for Christ is important, and it's to be remembered, and to let's go forward and grow upon what God's taught us this week. I want to just say, I know you're standing, just a couple things very quickly. One is, this is a great time now to, I want to encourage you, get the message that God spoke to your heart about. Then listen to it on the way to work and let God speak and reaffirm and show you again. And let's go home and say, Lord, how do you want me to reprioritize now? Lord, how do you want me to reach my neighbor now? Because time is short and life is uncertain. 
And everything could change tomorrow. And it may be today. So, Lord, how do I, how do I serve you in the moment now? Second, I want to say this. I really appreciate our church family. I'm thankful for you. You've been faithful this week. You come night after night. And it's a blessing to see your faithfulness. Um, we here at Berean, we have, we have jobs. We work. Many of you work 30, 40 hours a week or more. And Brother Chris Miller is an evangelist, and his, his schedule is totally different, and it's a by-faith ministry. And um, I don't see what anybody gives because I don't look. But I've been told that there is occasionally folks who give to the ministry of the evangelist. And I'll just tell you this. I think that's wonderful. I think that's wonderful. An evangelist comes, and then he goes on, and people say, you know what? I want to support the evangelist. And if God's laid that on your heart, then anything you give will go to him. Our church already has a love gift set aside. I know it's not appropriate to talk about that probably right now. But I want you to know that the, the evangelist was a gift from God to us this week. And there were decisions made. And there are young people and adults in this room who, God willing, will be closer to God because of it. And we're going to, you've been praying God would work all this week, and he has. We're going to ask the Lord to keep working in our hearts. Let's go to God now and thank the Lord for what he's done. Don't you think we ought to thank him for his working in our hearts? Let's do it now. Father in heaven, we want to thank you and praise you. We want to just exalt you and say thank you for speaking through your word to us and reminding us that time is short, life is uncertain. And so if we don't live for you today, what a loss today will be. I pray that you help us to live for you with all of our hearts. Lord, may there be tonight relationships made right. May there be this week reprioritization of schedule. And I thank you for Brother Miller, how you've used him and his family. I pray you'd bless them and encourage him and his family. And I pray that the 9-11 video would be used of you to impact thousands this weekend. Thank you again for your gift to us speaking and teaching us this week. We do love you for it, that you speak to us and this relationship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.